Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. We started a series last week um, that I've been uh, excited about for months, um, and uh, it was simply called uh, Step Up Playlist, and I know that that's kind of a, an awkward title. Um, But that is what the Psalms of Ascent are. And we're looking at some of the Psalms of Ascent. And they're songs that are about stepping up, about going up. And so these were the songs. And and there's 15 of them. And it, it starts in Psalm 120 and goes through Psalm 134. And these are these really, really short Psalms. In fact, today... We all together, we will read an entire chapter of the Bible together. So there you go. You'll say, I read a whole chapter of the Bible today. Maybe that's not your norm. And so you get to do that today. And so, um, but as we do that, the entire book of Psalms is a song book. It's an original playlist. And inside of that playlist are other playlists. And there, there are psalms of lament, and then there's psalms of rejoicing, and then we have these psalms of ascent. And these psalms of ascent are these 15 psalms that, that the, the people of God would sing on two different occasions. One as they're traveling on their feast days, and, and Jerusalem was a city up on a hill. So everyone that came to Jerusalem during a feast day was ascending And they would sing these songs. And these songs are designed to refocus our minds. Life happens. All sorts of stuff happens. And things begin to shift. And and your mind begins to to go in different places. And they're about to go worship. They're about to go before a God who loved them and is a covenant God. And these help remind them. Help get their minds focused on a covenant God. A God who who will interact and intervene on their behalf. And and to dial that in. Get their headspace right. The Levites. There was 15 steps up into the temple. And the Levites who were the people who would work there. They would sing these psalms as they were walking up those 15 steps. To adjust their headspace. So that when they're coming in to, to serve and to minister and to set up. And to do all that the Levite clan did did that they would be thinking in the right direction they would have this and there was this playlist that would help shift their thinking and they would sing these songs and and last week we went over some playlists to just prove to you I wanted to prove to you that first and foremost you know how to do this you set the mood you pick things and you set it and that it works I didn't want to spend four weeks trying to convince you what, how to do it and that it works. You already know how to do it and it works. In fact, we've got a playlist for this week's psalm because this psalm has to do with, with when, you're in a, when you're in a tough time, when, when things just aren't going well and, 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 and you're wanting to stay focused on the fact that it's not going to stay a mess, that it's not going to stay difficult, that there's good coming and there's even some secular songs that some people might make a playlist if they're just ready to just get, get their headspace right. You know, Journey, come on. Don't act like you don't know this song. You ain't been in church your whole life. And then we got a little, got a little newer one. Got a little newer song coming on. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Oh, 
get the Kelly Clarkson. And then maybe if you're an old rocker, you get get some Aerosmith. Dream until the dream comes true. Thank you, Maestro. But songs that help get you focused, that maybe things aren't exactly the way you want them to be right now, but things are that, that things will be better. Well, guess what? Instead of just a bunch of positivity, and all the positivity is going to sometimes just make you smile on a sinking ship. And you're just going all the way down with a smile on your face. Well, guess what? This isn't about just positivity. This is about looking unto a God who is awesome and a God who, was, who will, has, has done things and will do things and will continue to do things on our behalf. But before we get into this week's psalm, let's look at Colossians chapter 3. This is where we've been jumping off from over and over again as we look at this. It says Colossians 3 verse 1 says, Since then you having been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. He's telling us to set two things, to set our heart and to set our mind. Our heart is the thing that we're desiring and that we're wanting. We all understand the concept of our heart's desire, but our mind is what gets engaged when we try to figure out how to, how to fix that desire of our heart how to make a plan and get strategic and all those different things. He says, not only do you need to set your heart into the right things because your heart can be pulled away into things that are not healthy and are not of God. Folks, just because your heart wants it doesn't mean you should have it. Amen. You need to get that settled right now. Just because you have a draw in that direction it doesn't mean it's God. Yeah. I, just feel, I just feel pulled that way. Does it line up with God's word? If not, then you need to stop that pull. You need to get hooked up in another direction. You need to say, no, that's unhealthy. And, and, and Paul is letting the Colossians know that you've got to set your heart on things above because your heart can get set on things that are beneath you. They can get set on things that aren't for you. So we need to set our heart and then we need to set our minds. And our minds begin to engage on how we begin to live that thing out in our lives. And he reminds us that our life is now hidden with Christ in God. Our real life is hidden in Christ. And the more we begin to explore and understand who Jesus is, and the more we connect on that, the more our true selves begin to be uh, realized. So this week we're going to be looking at Psalm 126, and we're looking at this concept that celebrating what God has already done helps us to trust what will be done. There are things when God moves in our lives, they should become these foundational moments that we recognize that just because things get a little shaky doesn't mean things are over. That God's faithfulness is there. And we need to remember that. Let's go ahead and look at Psalm 126. Psalm 126 says, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion... We were like those 
who dreamed. When God did it, when God came through, it was like a dream. It was like we were in a dream. We were like those who dreamed. It was amazing that God restored our fortunes. Everything that should have been in our lives, God restored it. And it was amazing. And it was like it was a dream. Folks, some of you are here today needing some restoration. That you're in the process of restoration. I'm telling you, as God fulfills that, one day you're going to go, wow, this was like a dream. This was like a dream come true. Hold on to that. Hold on to that. Goes on to say, our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with songs of joy. Man, it was amazing. We were laughing. We were singing our favorite songs. It was just amazing when God restored the fortunes of Zion. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The nations are watching the people of Israel and they're saying, wow, God's done some pretty good stuff. God's getting glory for what's happening in the people of Israel's lives. It says, the Lord has done great things for us and we're filled with joy. So here's all this place of the first three verses of this place of remembrance. When the Lord restored, our mouths were filled with joy. People said, wow, God's really at work. They're remembering all of what God had done. And and as you read it, you can feel it. The psalmist is communicating. You can sense the joy. You can sense it coming out. And when he's remembering what God had done for Israel. But now here comes verse 4. Verse 4 says, restore our fortunes, Lord. We remember you're a God of restoration. We remember how amazing it was. We remember these things. We're now in a place that we need restoration. So now as I'm stepping in and looking at my place of restoration, I'm doing it from acknowledging that, that God is a God of restoration. That God is a God who's done something before. That this isn't gonna be God's first miracle moment. That God has been at work. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. It's a desert place. It's a desolate place. And these streams begin to come in and bring life. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. And he begins to look that there may be a tearful part. There may be a sorrowful part, but there is joy on the backside of this. And I'm looking at a God who has done great things and and what I know he's going to do in the future and joy is coming. And even though if there are tears and sorrow in this moment, I'm going to look that there was a trust in a God who has done it and stand on a God who will do it. And that will carry me through my current sorrowful moment. Sometimes you find yourself neck deep in a mess. If you've been around Celebration Church for a while, you know this story already. This is one of my favorite stories to tell. And it's a story of my papa, Anna, who uh, um, sadly passed away earlier this year. My papa got into so many predicaments and so, so many accidents. And the, the worst one 
uh, was when my grandfather worked for the county, uh, worked for Andrews County, and he was having to work on an open uh, septic system, an open septic tank that was, that was backed up. So it was, it was full. And he was there, and um, there was multiple people working on it, but it had the lid off. And so uh, my grandfather was uh, five foot eight and three quarters at his tallest um, because you had to be five nine to be a fireman. And he missed it by a quarter of an inch. And so he was uh, five eight and three quarters. And so anyways, in, uh, um, at this point in his life, uh, age and um, some extra poundage had brought him down a little bit. <laughs> and so, um, but anyways, he's working on this open septic deal. The, the people who were working alongside him left and somehow, some way, I still don't know how it went down, um, but my grandfather uh, trips and um, falls in to open septic tank um, alone. And so, and as he's going into this backed up mess, um, he immediately, he immediately was smart enough that he throws his arms out. And my grandfather was always a solid guy. And so, um, but he was not able to do the iron cross forever. And so he's holding himself out across this open cover and the, the stuff is up to here. I mean, he's literally neck deep in poop. And so, and so he's just up to here. Well, he's got to move his arms to be able to pull himself up. Well, we've all been in a swimming pool. You know you release the pressure, what's going to happen? You're going to bob down. There just ain't no two ways about it. And all of a sudden, the stuff is going to reach the place you don't want it to go. So he's there inside the, the septic tank holding himself and at least decides this was a concrete septic tank. And thankfully, when they pour those, um, they're not thinking about perfection. They just need it to be sealed. And so he begins to, another bold move on his behalf, uh, fish around <laughs> and, so, and, and finds a spot on the concrete wall that has a chunk of concrete attached to it. And he finds what he called himself a toehold. And so in the middle of his mess, he found a toehold. And based on placing his weight on that toehold, he was able to move his arms around, pull himself up and begin to, to, to not have to be in that situation anymore. And so, but every time I have ever dealt with a difficult, ugly, messed up situation, I've thought about my papa and that the first thing the first thing you need to do is get a firm foundation. The first thing you need to do is get a toehold. And I love it that the psalmist right here, the very first thing the psalmist does before he recognizes that he's in need of restoration, he gets a hold of a toehold that God is a God of restoration. And if you're not sure that God is a God of restoration, if that's not your, your firm foundation, if that's not your toehold, if that's not what you're resting on, all of a sudden you begin to be afraid to make any move because you're like, it's already a nasty situation. And if I begin to try to deal with this, it's going to get ugly, bad. And all of a sudden you, you feel helpless. You feel helpless. And some of you have been in those situations. Maybe you showed up this morning in one of those situations. And I'm here to tell you, Psalm 126 shows us that we look to the faithfulness of God. It is our toehold. It is our firm foundation. And when we begin to see that God is faithful, 
that he is a good God and what he's already done, that maybe we're in a place and a need of restoration. Maybe we're in need of restoration of a relationship or finances or, 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 or just life direction in general or restoration in our health or whatever it is that God has already provided that we this place of restoration, that we see that God is faithful and we look to him. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23 says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Brothers and sisters, Pray for us. I love it that as uh, Paul is coaching the church at Thessalonica and getting them ready to ask them to pray, Paul is doing this thing where he is giving them a playlist. He is refocusing them. He makes sure that as they're going into a place of prayer, that he is reminding them that God is the faithful one. God is the one that's going to be able to do this. That God is the who is always there. And now that your mind is recognizing that God's a God who comes through, pray for us. Pray for us. I love it that Paul is in a moment where he is needing some intercession prayer. And what's first on his mind is that God is faithful and he will do it. Romans chapter 8 says, Romans, uh, Paul writes again, it says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. No matter what we come against, no matter what we come against, Paul says, I'm confident that nothing's going to separate us from the love of God. Doesn't mean we won't feel the tension. Doesn't mean that things won't attack. It doesn't mean that things won't try. But it says nothing is going to be able to separate. That's why he had to talk about these different things. All of these different things that pull at it. He says they may come at you, but they're not going to be able to separate us. So now as we begin to kind of break down the psalm, that's the heart of the psalm, is that we look and know that remembering what God has already done, that keeps us focused on what he will do. But as we begin to break down the different pieces of this, I want us to, to pull a couple of more concepts away from this. First is that God's restoration in your life is to bring joy to you, but not only to you. God's restoration for you is for you. But it's not just to bring joy only to you. Let's go back again to the first couple of lines. It says, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with songs of joy. And then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Other people got encouraged. Other people got pointed towards God based on the restoration that had taken place in Israel. It spilled over. Your restoration is for you, but it's bigger than you. Folks, some of these things, you you feel like, well, man, I'm just being selfish as I'm standing here and believing the promise. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? 
Every miracle, God wants to have an audience. He wants people to be able to see for there to be a testimony that someone testifies about. And he gets the glory and someone else gets encouraged. I can't tell you how many of my own struggles that I've been able to walk through based on someone else's win giving me encouragement. That's why we're a body. Healthy cells help produce healthy cells. As you and I are all cells in the body of Christ, you being healthy and sharing your health and restoration with me helps me be stronger. And God doing that in me helps you be stronger if you will receive it. God wants to bless our lives, but we're not the only ones to be blessed out of this. Let's go to the Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus says, you're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. All the beautiful, wonderful things that God is doing in your life. And glorify your Father in heaven. Man, God wants to work in our lives. But he wants to do it in a way that, that expresses his love and his, his Father heart. Not just to you, but through you and to others. The next thing we see is that we need to remind ourselves that God will turn our tears to joy. We don't like tears. We don't like sorrow. But we live in a fallen world we're not in heaven yet. So while we're here, there is life and death, blessing and cursing, according to Deuteronomy 30, 19. And, and God tells us, choose life. And Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full, have it abundantly. But there's still this junk that we do to each other and that the, the, the enemy of our souls attacks and tries to do to us and, and all this stuff and, and pain and sorrow happen. And so you and I need to be able to know how to deal with it and in chapter, I mean, verse 5, it says, Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. And those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Now, folks, the scriptures tell us to mourn with those who mourn and weep with those who weep. And there's a moment to grieve and there's a moment to take, to take a pause. And there's a moment to deal with grief. But there's a place where that grief and that mourning will try to grip your soul and try to dominate your life. And part of moving forward out of that is sometimes just doing the right thing even in the middle of your weeping and your sorrow. That's what this taking the seed to sow is doing. Is it's like so many times you just want to sit down. You just want to take the rest. You're like, I don't feel like it. I'm still sad. I'm still mourning. The, the stuff that went on in my life, the destruction of this over here, the, the wreckage over here, the problem over here is still here. And I don't feel like doing it. When you know that there's a God who has restored and a God who will restore, then that gives you the courage that maybe the tears are coming down your face and you're singing this song with gritted teeth 
And he's saying, God, I've seen you restore fortunes, and I know you're going to do it again. And God, but I'm going to, I'm going to do the right thing, and I'm going to sow these seeds of love, and I'm going to sow these seeds of, of compassion, and I'm going to sow these seeds, Lord, because I know that, Lord, that as I go out even sowing and, reap, and sowing and weeping as I do it, that I will return with songs of joy, carrying my sheaves with them. That's the harvest. That's the fruit that what comes out of those seeds that are sown. Folks, too many believers, too many children of God have stopped simply because things have gotten a little bit hard and things have gotten a little bit difficult. Maybe they've gotten really hard and really difficult and the tears won't stop flowing. But here we see in Psalm 126 to say, you know what? We have a God who restores. We have a God who's going to bring restoration and I'm going to sow the seed. I'm going to do the right thing Anyways, I'm going to move forward like God is at work here. And we're going to see things turn around. I'm going to move forward like he's at work. And folks, that is where this comes from. And this, this is a psalm of ascent. Where I guarantee that there were multiple people on those journeys that they would grab this one. Because things were tough And as they're coming up to serve God, they're remembering, God, you are a God who restored the fortunes of Zion. The nations noticed this was a big thing. Lord, restore, restore our fortunes. And Lord, even if I'm walking up these steps with tears in my eyes, God, I know I'm here and I'm I'm gonna do the right thing because God, you're the one who's gonna turn it around. You're the one who's gonna turn it around. We've titled this one, Dream On from Aerosmith. And uh, honestly, I grabbed the title um, because it worked with the, we were like those who dreamed. And, and I, I, I hadn't sung the song in a long time and I didn't know the lyrics. I, I looked the lyrics up and I'd already titled it. And um, Steven Tyler was on to more than maybe we normally as uh, ministers give him credit for. Let's go right before the Dream On chorus kicks in. Steven Tyler writes, he says, uh, Sing with me, sing for the years, sing for the laughter and sing for the tears. Sing with me just for today. All of a sudden, and then it, it shifts into the, the Dream On, the Dream On, the Dream On. Dream until the dream comes true. There are times that we need people around us who are going to sing with us, who are going to go along with us, who are going to be there even in the middle of the stuff. The dream hasn't been fulfilled yet, but we're going to dream until the dream comes true. Folks, we need to understand that in Christ, that tears get turned and weeping gets whooped. God does this for us. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Folks, as you and I move forward, knowing that he loves us, knowing that God, that we love God and we pursue in him and we're moving forward to his purpose, that he can take any mess and turn it to our good. Now, we can't sit down and think that, well, you know what, I, I'm, I'm trying to do this for my purpose and God, I need you to turn it to, for my purpose. No, as we're pursuing his purpose, 
his good, pleasing, and perfect will kind of purpose, that he'll turn it all around. He will. Folks, our bottom line is God's faithfulness is the foundation of our faith. That's why we have a Bible full of the stories and the miracles over and over again to get into us the faithfulness of God. God's faithfulness is the foundation of our faith. Folks, and, and, and the, the, the concept that we're wanting to get through in this series, that Christ-centered thinking takes us to Christ-like living. If we will keep our eyes on him, the author and the finisher of our faith, man, I'm telling you, good, good things happen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.